Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're now listening to the Black Variant on RNC Radio. Yo, welcome back to another edition of House Clothes. It's your boy Van. Uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate all you guys. Uh, shout out to Bernil. He's on location right now. He's not. A, he's not a, on this episode. <laughs> but um, yo, we got a very special guest. A very special guest. Uh, one of my bestest friends in the world. Probably one of my longest friends too. I've known this nigga a long time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my sister Rihanna is on the show. Man, make some noise for Rihanna. I love your introduction. I like that, right? I'm gonna save that so that you know I have proof. Yeah, yeah. Frame it, whatever you gotta do. (laughs) So, how how are you, Rihanna? How are you feeling today? Um, I I feel like I got like a train. Okay, no, that sounds so bad. Yeah, Um, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What camera may say, "Hey, yo"? (laughs) No, let me just say, I just feel like today kicked my ass. I'm I'm gonna tell you that. Like, just kicked my ass. A lot going on in the world. A lot, a lot going of changing. In the world, at niggas work. Is, niggas warring. Yeah. 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 It's just it's, one of those days, you know? It's a lot of shit going on, man. But we're going to start this show like we um, we do every show. Um, what are you feeling? What are you not feeling in the world right now? It could be it could be anything. Um, what am I not feeling in the world? Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling people's ignorance. Okay. You know, I feel like, I feel like people are willfully ignorant and... Even with this whole situation going on in Israel, the genocide that's happening, I feel like people are choosing to be ignorant and ignore the facts and just help promote false information. So I'm not feeling that. You think it's an escapism uh, type of thing? One more time? You think it's an escapism type of thing? Like people are choosing to ignore just to try to escape what's really going on out there? Um. Yeah, maybe you could say that, but also just think that people just like to be willfully ignorant. Like, (laughs) you know, like, I I don't know. I feel like people just choose ignorance. I feel like that's just the easier option and just blind loyalty to Israel for whatever reasons. Um, And there's also like not not so smart people too. And I think you understand that people are just not smart when they talk and you're like, oh, you are not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. You know? Some people just talk to like uh, hear themselves talk. Like, you know, people say it's like a real thing. Yeah. And then people who are like, oh, Israel is, you know, 
it's like people don't understand biblical Israel and then like real life Israel. It's just I don't know. It's just you are just dumb. But and you would think uh, with all the information at our our fingertips that you know stuff like that would be easy to Google. Shit, even if you got to watch a YouTube video on it, it's right there. You know. But you know, people don't fact check, and I feel like at all, at all, like people, like if I made a video, if I tweeted something, people would take me. I, like at face value instead of saying, hmm, let me see if this actually is correct. Because right, I feel like right. they rely on other people to fact check. And so it's good enough if somebody else says it's true. Right. You know? I, I think, yeah, like, I think just media literacy overall is just like, it's in the toilet, man. Like people just like, don't know how to decipher things for themselves. Or, or maybe they just don't care. Maybe they just don't give a fuck, like you said. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's a combination of both. I feel like media literacy, because I also feel like there's media in so many different forms now than it's ever been. And so I feel like there's more ways to be deceived by media as well. But then also it it comes, I don't want to say laziness, but for lack of a better word, there's like a laziness that goes a part of just not wanting to click out of Twitter really quick and then Mm -hmm. just do some research on your own to figure it out because that's the harder route to take. So it's just easier to take this you know person's tweet for base value instead of just doing the work yourself i feel like but i also feel like people just take the easy way out all the time you know yeah you know so i also think like i think the sheer amount of platforms now like giving you like quote-unquote news is just like probably overwhelming too you know yeah exactly because you know we went from the newspaper being the primary to then tv and then now it's like on your phone you have apps and so yeah. it's all about like how you receive information the best and then making sure that the people who are kind of uh, putting out information on those outlets are actual journalists too like are like are you following actual journalists and yeah. people who understand the craft itself you know yeah because it's a real art to journalism i think you know today it's kind of been like any nigga with a phone is a journalist. <laughs> a journalist. Yeah. yeah but like and in some ways that's like it works you know what it is i feel like because I feel like people will see one person who is successful without going the traditional route and then they'll think that they can do it too, Yeah, you know? Like, so it's like, oh, you don't need the education because like this person is able to do it and achieve it without the formal education. So like, oh, I'm going to just do it like that too. But I feel like there's so much that goes into it. And I feel like there are exceptions to rules for, for a reason. If it was like the standard, it wouldn't be the exception. So like, yes, this person is able to achieve having integrity while being a journalist and and sticking to you know the path correctly but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you are going to do that as well but i feel like we see the people next to us doing it and we're like okay so i'm going to skip out i'm I'm going to cut the line and go the easy easy way of achieving that thing you know let me see now with (laughs) not to get off track but even like the whole keith lee thing niggas cutting the line you know what i mean people were kind of clowning for not cutting the line which i thought was pretty funny you know i was like what are you guys mad at i i really i feel like that showed me that people will be mad at anything like you're mad because you're mad because he wants to make sure that restaurants are serving all paying customers equally no matter what because you're a paying customer like Mm -hmm. what are you really mad at don't you want to be treated just as well as a celebrity when you are a paying customer in a place like what do you I, I just I just I don't know and I feel like what pisses me off is that like you only care about his credentials when it's a 
not so good review. I can't even say it's a bad review because has she ever even like, yeah, yeah <laughs> but it's just not a favorable review. Right. But God, but if it's a good review, you're like, oh, it's Keith Lee, it's Keith Lee. It's just like go to hell. <laughs> right, and I think that's what keeps his word so strong is that he's like, I feel like he's doing things pretty ethically. You know, he want to be treated like everybody else. He's not looking right. for the superstar treatment. You know, right, and so it's just like, why, like, really, why are you mad? They don't like, have reason. They don't have reason. People want to people want to be mad at be mad at the government. Be there's so much to be mad at. Being mad at <laughs> right. Keith Lee is literally a waste of emotion and resources. Like right. do better. And I think there's like um I think I think there's just a, a overall problem with the whole like restaurant service thing. I think people don't really go to restaurants for food and customer service anymore. I think it's just all vibes, you know. Grass do you wall. really want to? Do you really want to entertain this? Yeah, we pie service? today. Yeah, we pie today. <laughs> do you really want to entertain this customer service conversation? Because we can have it across so much different industries. Yeah. I feel like yeah, in the food industry, I feel like so much industries. I don't know what changed over time, but like the the feeling of customer service or you know, making sure the customer needs are met, like that changed over time, like that sentiment, and now it becomes like making sure the owner's needs are met you know like right I, it's it's changed and i'm like since well maybe not say all places because it's not all places but i definitely see that shift especially because i've been to atlanta so like i've been to restaurants and i understand like it, it's not a real place did like, you have good service when you was there like or was it like there was this one restaurant that i went to though twice two restaurants but i can't remember the other one's name mm -hmm. there was this one restaurant called apartment 4b and I thought the service was great. I would go back. And the, it was a great vibe too. But that's like the only was restaurant. It like, was it like one of the grass wall hookah type of spots? Like there was no hookah. I don't remember there being a grass wall, but don't quote me on it. Mm -hmm. Um no, it was and then like it kind of doubled as like a lounge area, like in the evening time, especially like on Thursday, Friday. Like no, it was really a vibe though. Like yeah, they'll have yeah, like yeah. live music, like a live DJ, and it wasn't like overbearing because it wasn't like a grown where... sexy spot either. Like you know what I mean? Like you know, old people. No, 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 no. There were like people like our age, and there were like a lot of professionals. I was able to connect with people like mad mm -hmm. randomly. It was it was a vibe when I was there. It was. Okay. But I've also been to some places where I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like like is this standard like and i always tell people like renting a car because I, I rented both times i was in atlanta i rented a car and it's just like for what because this this bitch is just valet every single place i'm going to and it's like if and i feel like if you don't even know if you're gonna be in a spot for like an hour but you got a valet so now i feel like i gotta get my money's worth out of this freaking valet you know so it's oh, just every, it was a big it's a big valet kind of scene it's a big there. valet city like okay. they, it was to the point where um, like I so the first time I went for my birthday weekend, like a couple of years ago, I ended up just leaving my car because I had a hotel in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So I ended up valeting my car. You saying downtown? Child, I don't know where I was saying. You can't. Okay, you can't. Sure. You can't ask me questions about directions. You know that's not my right, strong right, suit. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it was to the point where like I valeted my car at the hotel and we just ubered places because it was just like what's the point of me driving like mm -hmm. it don't make no sense for me to drive because everywhere i go we gotta but then it's like uber you also paying so much in ubers because you're going from one spot to the next so it's like right. the comfort of having a car you don't even get to enjoy that comfort for real so yeah 
How, much, how much was it you giving the valet? Do you how much you, was the valet? Like, it ranges, but you giving them like twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Twenty fifteen, like that's like standard. Fifteen twenty. Damn. Exactly. Exactly. Just to go to a spot that could have been a drink. You know, that's like drink money. Yeah, tip money for the actual like, waiter. Yeah, like, you know like, but you spending it on valet, and it's not, it's not even like it's not even like they parking and shut up and somewhere exclusive. They, it's just like they blocked off this thing and you had to park in this. They parking there. <laughs> People could still break into your car. Yeah, that's it's what I was like, saying. They can still get robbed. Like you know. Yeah. So it's just it's it's very annoying. Um. Yeah, it's very annoying. So, like, Keith experience, I feel like that's been so much people's experiences, and it don't even surprise me, you know? Yeah, and you see a lot of people, like, I haven't seen many people trying to refute what he was saying. A lot of people, like, they actually, like, live in Atlanta, and from there, they, they've been co-signing what he's saying. Yeah, because he's speaking facts. Like, some of the rules, I'm like, do, like, do y'all work in hospitality like i would think the restaurant industry is a part of hospitality right in the sense yeah, I, I think they don't see it as that though that's the last of us just messed up <laughs> right and i don't think they see customer service as like making like creating an environment that you want people to come back to mm-hmm. like the whole you can't see parties of four or more like more than four like what yeah like what is that but you got to get a private room for five of your friends? Like, what the fuck? It, it just it just made no sense. And I just feel like the rules just make you just not want to... And I'm not saying, like, all rules. Because some rules, I could I could understand. Some certain Like, what rule, what rule do you agree with? <laughs> right. Um, it's not even agreeing with it. I feel like if it's not... I feel like I understand the whole... What rule do I agree with? Let me, let me think. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> no sweatpants, no hats? No niggas no, rule? I, no, actually, no. I listen. I don't know what I agree with. I gotta really think about it because I'm. I'm now. I'm thinking. <laughs> All right. Maybe All right. checks over a certain amount because maybe that's just annoying to do as like a server or or something like a nigga busting out a check in a restaurant is crazy. No, like separating checks. Oh, like splitting them. Yeah, like you know, it's like people want to split them like. 30 different ways. I can understand there's like a limit to how many checks they'll split just for time purposes. That I could probably understand just because it probably is time and, you know, consuming to do that. But, yeah. I was in a like, spot in Rockville Center and they was like, they had this machine that could split the things at four, like four or five different ways. I thought it was pretty cool. Awesome Unless you tell them in the beginning, I feel like if we tell people in the beginning you want separate checks, then I think it's easier to do it like they that. You can't really then... fight that. I don't think you know if you let them know. Yeah. You know? But then again, like I also don't think that applies to me and like my group of friends because if we go out to dinner, we're not one of those. We're not arguing over who's paying for what. Like I don't even like that whole conversation. That whole conversation it drives me crazy because my sentiment on that is: do what makes you comfortable. Do what makes your friend group comfortable. And have a nice life. Like it don't have to be this discourse every three to five business days. Just you, you know, know, it has to be because it's Twitter, man. <laughs> you know, and it's always something like, oh, what? And I, the, the discourse always to me comes down to do what makes you and comfortable. You and your friends figure it out because it's gonna look different for everybody's friend group. It looks different for everybody's situation. So do what makes you comfortable. Like exactly. that is it. That's the answer. That's it. Have a nice life. Welcome to my TED talk. Exactly. Exactly. So what are you feeling? going on in the world i feel like there's just so much going on in the world that like to be hyper aware is 
it also comes with like sadness mm-hmm. you know like you can't help but feel sad when you realize like all the genocide that's happening all the just the ugliness of the world people who are without houses homes food poverty like the job market and how sick that is it's like to understand everything that's going on in the world the freaking climate right just last week with these damn degrees yeah it's just like it, yeah, it's, it's frozen outside <laughs> right yeah. i feel like you can't help but be sad you know yeah but like what are you feeling is there anything you like going on any of your personal joys you know you gotta be something um that i like that's going on in the world yeah, i mean or just in your world you know what's going on in my world i have a very boring life i tell people that all the time i feel like you you don't think i do but i feel like i think i do so i mean i just celebrated my birthday so i feel like that was okay, very okay that was hype for me and i feel like we in the nfl season so if you know me you know i love football i'll be watching it and stuff both college and professional so i'm tapped in i have trips planned in december and january right exactly um so i do have some good going on in the world like in my life i do and new music because that brett um album is fire and it's still in rotation it's still in rotation. you're bugging Already. You're bugging. You're bugging. Um, yeah, you're bugging. Um, what else? What else? Yeah, I feel like I feel like I do have positives. It's not it's not all negative. There are some positive stuff. That's yeah, positive. I thought you was going yeah, oh, yeah. I want to kill my mom. I want to kill my dad. Shit. You know I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. All right, I, so. I thought you meant like outside of like me. Oh, personally. just like, like just feeling in general. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. nah, but um, all right, so I want to start this off by asking you. Um, I usually ask this to most of the guests, but like, um, how would you describe yourself as a child? As a child, mm-hmm. what was what was young Rihanna like? What was her <laughs> interest? Young Rihanna was um very adventurous, mm-hmm. she wanted to be one of the boys. So, like, I grew up, you know, I grew up with all men in the house, like all boys, I grew up with boy cousins and my brothers. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to do what they did, you know? Um, so I was like, I had my girly moments too. So like I was a girly girl, but then I also was like a tomboy in a sense. Um, and I and I wanted to be treated like them. So like, and when I heard no, it was just like, mm, so you what you really mean is find another way. Right, right. right. You know? <laughs> so I was very adventurous, very... Um, I was smart, very smart, and I always I, I don't want I don't want to say sneaky, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like my mom always talks about like when I snuck out the house and went to Taboo when I was in high school. That's, never that's, that's a rite of passage, though. I just like girl, you gotta let that go. It happens. It that's happens. real history right there. And I have fun, and I'll do it again. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> what kind of activities were you into? Like, um, oh, my like mom art, me drawing, just sports. My... I know sports heavy. <laughs> Heavy. Herma made sure we was in everything that was offered, okay? So, let me think. When I was elementary school, I was in the chess club. I was a Girl Scout. I um, was in the travel club. I swam. <laughs> I danced. I was Girl Scouts. You was trapping cookies, nigga? <laughs> 
Um, Girl Scouts was a vibe in the beginning, but towards the end, it was a vibe, but it turned into like food meetups. Like we used to call it food scouts because we used to link up and go out to dinner and stuff like that. But like in the beginning, um, you know, you used to do, you have to like earn patches, right? Like, so you have mm-hmm. to do things. So we used to be having them bake off. We see, you know, doing all these cultural or initiatives and things like that. So it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool. That's not like some gang shit. You got to earn your stripes, nigga. Low like, key. And we had to say a pledge. We had to say a pledge every meeting. Take a pledge? So, like, hand over the heart to, Yeah, and we had like a gang, not a gang sign, but I'm going to say a gang <laughs> sign. Like, we had a little sign thing that we did. Nah, And you have like a, and like you rep your troop. So it's like, I was troop 1159. Like, that was my troop. That was my set. <laughs> Those are my Yo, people. This, this is some gang shit. The Girl Scouts, man, they Low push harder key. than the drug dealers. Low key, you trapped my heart. Listen, my mom used to hate when I stopped to bring home that that cookie sheet. <laughs> she used to be like, "Oh, the sheet with all the, uh, the boxes the you can order." Shit. Like, you yeah. had to order them cookies. <laughs> she used to be like, "If you don't get that thing out my face," because them <laughs> things were they weren't cheap. Like the Girl Scout cookies, are, like they're not cheap. You know. Listen, I have to trap. What you want me to do? Then you have to sell like a certain amount too. Or... You're encouraged. I'm not gonna say you encouraged. Yeah, gonna... gun to your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> You're encouraged to sell, um, but yeah, no, it was a vibe. Selling all that a... for a keychain, it's crazy. <laughs> for a pack. <laughs> type shit. Type shit. Mm-hmm. I was a brownie and a junior. What's mm-hmm. that like? Different levels. Different levels. Like when you're in elementary school. You're a brownie, and then if you like when you're in middle school, between like certain ages, you become your junior. Oh, so it's like, oh, it's, it's like how they uh section it off, yeah. So you're with people, you're with people in your own age group, you're not with like I'm not in the same group as like an 18 year old if I'm in elementary school, right? When'd you stop going? Um, middle school, middle, uh, maybe like seven. You, wanted out, you wanted out the set, <laughs> I wanted out, I jumped set. out. I want it out, but I think also like I was allowed to to decide <clears throat> more of my own activities. Um, I still had to be active. My mom was one of the moms that like you're not gonna be no couch potato. Like you're not gonna just be home after school every day. Like I don't know what it felt like to go home straight after school. <laughs> like I was. Yeah, that's not... all I did. Yeah, we know. That's all but, I did. Like, <laughs> but like I don't know what that felt like. So. Um, but by the time I was in middle school, she allowed me to make more of the decisions of like what activities I would be a part of versus her making the, the decision. So like more of my activities just took me away from Girl Scouts over time and it became less of like an interest. But like we were all like that because remember Kelsey and Camilla were also in Girl Scouts with me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's so wild, that's a wild troop. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wild troop. Uh, were you naturally into like sports and shit or did you like grow to love it? Like um, I think it was a mixture of both, depending on what sport you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, I remember when I fell in love with track. Actually, I, and I and I don't think I've ever told Kelsey this, but I remember as Girl Scouts. Actually, we had to we went to support her. She ran for like um, Uniondale, like you know how they have like leagues for like the town or whatever. Right. So she was a part of track, um, and field during for that i remember she had like a track meet and we all went to support her and just seeing her running um and being there in that atmosphere like that made me fall in love like it was like an instant like i've fallen in love with track i want to do this like i want to run and so the i joined in middle school like our track team at lawrence road and the rest was history like so like track became my love like if you know me you know how much i loved running track i love just being out there 
it just gave me this adrenaline rush, like this freedom. I don't know how to explain it. It was like so euphoric in a sense. So what, what, was it the actual competition that got you into or the applause or like just the technicality of the sport? It was a little bit of ev- everything, I would say, mm-hmm. like for waiting for the gun to go off. So that feeling that you get of waiting for that gun to go off to start, it just did something to me. And then like when you're out there running, it's like nothing else matters besides me and my feet, you know, mm-hmm. like be where your feet are. And I just feel like I didn't, I was, it was like freeing in the sense of none of my worries were in my head when I'm running, right, you know, right. because this, this like, this is all it is for me. Um, and then of course, like winning is always a good feeling, all the different things. But for me, cause, cause I would tune people out really. So it's like, if you were, if you said my name, I wouldn't hear you necessarily because mm-hmm. I was just so much in my head, you know, right. it was like that time for me to just be with myself in a sense. So Wow, that's, yeah. a, that's interesting that's interesting um but also i wanted to ask you like as you you continued on with track in high school um i wanted to ask you how did you prepare for for like different track meets like mentally like were you the music kind of person sitting in the corner or were you listening to, like get hype stuff like how were you prepare for like a track meet mm, i'm one of those people who like don't talk to me because I'm talking to myself. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm talking to myself. I'm praying. I'm just giving myself motivation. Um when I'm there, I do have headphones on and I'm pretty like focused. Like I'm laser focused. Um <clears throat> after the meet is over, after the race is over, like I'll be more friendly. But the hour leading up to the race, I'm pretty much locked in. Like and right. I'm like I don't like to break my focus. So like especially when if you're running like a relay there are times where like you're lined up with all the girls that are running your leg or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them will like try to introduce themselves. And are they shit talking? Is there any shit talking going on? There probably is. But like the thing <laughs> is, is like I would tune everybody out. So like people probably thought like I was a bitch, like whatever. Because it's like they're all talking to each other on the sidelines, getting ready, da 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 da. And I'm <laughs> like talking to myself. I'm just sitting there. So they think you crazy. You talking to yourself. Well, like I'm not like moving my lips. Yeah. you know but yeah i would just be talking or like saying things in my head or like singing a song like but like it's just it's me with me like it ain't me and you it's me and me so t- catch me after this race because right now i'm locked in and you're not gonna break my focus like you know no nah, that's and I'm, and I'm and i'm like and i'm like i'm watching the, the leg before me because i'm seeing how they're doing who's where what i gotta do i'm mapping out the track because it's like you know, you're running running a race is strategic, especially if you do something like 400 and up. It's like very strategic of like how you, well, no, all races are strategic. So it's like, I'm, I'm the 400. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even more so because you're just covering more like uh, ground. The more ground you cover, I would say it's more strategy that goes into it. But I mean, you know. Gotta, I guess you got to be prepared for it, for it you, you know, for anything, any right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So it's just like I'm more so like looking at all my invisible markers on the floor of like, okay, I got this and this and this. Like I'm just I'm setting myself up for you know success. So that's kind of what I would do for the race. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so you went to Stony Brook. Was Stony Brook was your was that Stony Brook your first choice? <laughs> you know it's not my first choice. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought yes, you was you one do. Uh, so bad. You know? Evan, Evan, stop capping. <laughs> stop capping on this podcast. So <laughs> my first choice, I wanted to go to HBCU. So like going out of New York, going Any, to HBCU, anyone in particular? Um, I had one I had applied. I went to go to VSU. Okay. Um a lot. Yeah. Virginia State, right? Yeah. Yeah, or VCU. I want to go to one of the two of those. Um, oh, yeah. But I was I was pretty much open to, like, different HBCUs, and I had to apply to a lot. Like, I was focusing my efforts there. And I think that's when I had, like, a real moment with my mom of, like, you know, you're not as good as you think you are type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, reality check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a reality check. So it was like, okay, you know, let's focus on in-state schools, blah, blah, blah. And then my mom actually wanted me to go to Binghamton because, you know, Lane was that Binghamton? Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, you want to go to Binghamton?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, I'll go to Stony Brook." <laughs> so like, <laughs> that's how I ended up at Stony Brook. It wasn't because I wanted to go there. It wasn't because it was a first choice. It was more so like I had to pick from like a set of options, and I just at at that point I didn't really care where I went in the sense of like it it none of these are like my dream schools you know because my dream school was out of state it was, was right. to be out of state like that was my dream situation and i just feel like upstate i just think it's cold i don't know why i thought that <laughs> but like i just think it's cold all year round it's probably not true but like that's what i thought back then so it's just like okay stony Brook, i can go home if i want to i can stay as long as i want to so because my mom was very much like a you need to dorm. Like, all my kids are going out of the house and you're dorming. Like, you're not allowed to go anywhere <laughs> local. She said, get the fuck out. <laughs> Herma said, you're not staying here for school. You gotta dorm. And I think that was, like, the best decision she made, but she put her foot down. She's like, you're going to college and you're not gonna be home while you do it. So, figure it out. <laughs> so Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel it. So, 
what was the college like for you? Like, did you enjoy being because Stony Brook's pretty far out from like where you were staying at? So, like, what's what was the cultural difference like being out there? Mm, being was out there like, you mean like being like the like town wise cultural difference, yeah, or just like being, you know, be, being out there both? Um, so I grew up in Uniondale. So you, I grew up around people that look like me. Like we were the majority, you know. Niggas. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm going from that to we were six percent, and that's black and Latino, Latino students oh, together. Come on. Together, oh, okay. together, we made up six percent at one the time. Okay. Yeah, one band, one sound. They said, "Listen, here, damn, you know." So, you know, so. It kind of created this culture of like everyone knew everybody because we were all going to the same events. We we're all going to the same, you know, things to hang out at because there wasn't so many of us. So I think that, you know, something, let me tell you something. I remember when the whole thing happened with Trayvon Martin, right? Yeah. And we did a protest on campus. And I will never forget, there's these group of white students that weren't far from where we were. And, you know, we're saying our chance, we're doing everything. And the white girl said, oh, he got what he deserved, right? <laughs> and I was so shocked. I wanted to curse that bitch out. But it also was like a shock to me because like I hadn't been in like close proximity with people who just would think that way, you know? Because again, I was always surrounded by people who looked like me. So it, you had like, a lot of that. Um, I was the president of a club and the vice president of that same club. So like I um, I I saw more of like the politics of things and like them trying to take away funding and you're fighting for funding and you're fighting for this and you're fighting for that mm-hmm. because you know they want to combine certain clubs when they really should be separate because they're two separate cultures and so um but I will say that I was also social. You know, I was very social on campus. I had a job that put me in like the middle of everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. It was kind of mixy, really. That job was hella mixy. Yeah. So it's like, because of that job, I had met a lot of people. Then being the in part of the club that I was a part of, I was meeting a lot of people. Then being the sister of, you know, someone that was in a frat, I was meeting a lot of people. So like, it was a great experience, but there was like, you know, those times where you're just like, oh damn, this is the ugliness of the world too, you know? Right, right. Did you ever think so, about joining a sorority? You would think, with, 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 you know, with your brother being afraid, you would, you know, did that ever come You're with, not going to get up? me jumped, okay? I'm just asking. Um, The thought was there. So you didn't pursue and don't, it? Or? And don't ask me nothing more. I was going to ask you, is it, what's the reason why you didn't join it? Just like um, well, cultural differences? No, well, there's so there's more to than you can't just join a, a sorority or a frat they have to like you know you gotta be pre-chosen you gotta be chosen as well i guess right because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want people coming for me mm-hmm. um it was it was in my it was it was an interest of mine um but i also didn't do i'm gotta choose my words carefully <laughs> um i just had a lot of distraction going on and right. it wasn't something that like I could entertain past an idea. Right. Yeah, your own your own stuff going on. I, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I could entertain it past an idea. But yeah, so it just remained an interest. 
Okay. Okay. You part of any <laughs> any groups on campus? Um. Uh, no. What do you mean? Yeah, I was I was a part of um, CSO. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had so I was a part of CSO, which is the Caribbean Student Organization. Okay, that's what's up. That's yeah. What's up. How was the what's the party life? I always want to ask you how was the party life in uh, Saudi Brook. Party life. Was niggas getting down. Like what, what was the vibe like? Well, you know Cheyenne. I used to always come to Saudi Brook. Yeah, bottom. Yeah, without me. Yeah, where were yeah. you at? I was. Yeah, yeah I'm cool. <laughs> you heard what happened with the boys without the. I remember because they got to that fight thing yeah. that happened, and honestly, that is what changed party life. <laughs> that whole situation <laughs> was changed party life because because before they used to used to be able to have on campus parties, right? Mm-hmm. So like you know you didn't have to go off campus to turn up to have fun, blah blah blah. And then, but they were kind of getting stricter and stricter with that. And then, if I'm not, if my memory serves me correct, there was a, a misunderstanding, let's call it. Right. Um, and they shut that shit down. Like, they really said no more parties. Cause, like, they made it so it was impossible because it's like they had, you had to go to, through like this process of like signing in a guest and doing this and doing that. When those things, you like, People make decisions about parties sometimes day of, right? But it's like it allowed like you couldn't make those day of decisions. You had to make them weeks in advance. Like, yeah. It is it it was like some stipulation. So that killed on campus parties. And so you had to go off campus. Um but then like the culture of like off campus parties also kind of died down a little bit, like the club life. Um, it was at a height at one point before I think I got there and then it was like kind of dying down. I don't know how it is now though, because I haven't partied ar- around Stony Brook since I graduated. Yeah, since then. Um, Which so is good. I, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have no desire to party with um, <laughs> 21 Children, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how it is now, but yeah, when I was there, I mean, I used to go to the club. Like, we, listen, we went to the club, we, we, whatever, but it's like you, Finding your way there, finding your way back, was could be a process sometimes. You was listen. They had this car service, and you used to be packing it like sardines, and it just you got in that little ass car and you went to the club, you know. Yeah. So nah, it was it was what it was, and I feel like we made the best of it. And I feel like we, I feel like if you transferred, if you would have transferred from a different school that had like a broader culture of that then you'd be like oh this is like a step down but i feel like if this is all you knew then it was fun because you're not comparing it to like something else you know right right um what is college what did college teach you like overall i know you learned things in classes but like what's something like a life lesson that college taught you um i feel like college that's where I grew up. I feel like mm-hmm. in in certain ways because I was like I think I said it before. Like I was spoiled, so I had even done my own laundry before I went to college. <laughs> the so good. <laughs> I was living the good life. Like my mom used to do my laundry to the point where she had to literally write out directions on like a notepad and give it oh to me God, when I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. Um, and so I feel like I I feel like when you dorm kind of gain the like some type of independence you figure out how to be like resourceful right. you know what i'm trying to say like mm-hmm. i feel like college taught me how to be resourceful how to use the things around me whether it's people whether it's services whether it's like anything like how if i want to start, low key, like, finessing you know yeah. like you understand finesse you understand getting your work on time and then turning up right after you understand how to like put things at play so i feel like it really taught me how to be resourceful 
um, and kind of make the best out of what you had. Like, okay, these are my milk points, all right? But like, I want to eat this. So how do I make this work for what I for what I can? Especially because like I my first two years I didn't have a car, so like I was limited in my options to do certain things. So it's like you have to be creative. You have to like, you know, pull together or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, man. I think I think a lot of people that's the one thing like college has taught them like how to finesse, like how to just like find your way through shit, man. Like definitely, definitely, definitely. All the it was a good experience. <laughs> college, college sounded like it was fun, man. So, um, how did you decide that you wanted to go into the field that you're in? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because like the answer that I tell in like an interview or like professionally, it's like part of the truth, but it's not really. Hey, you like... talking to me though? Like, let's you know what I mean. I know, so I'm gonna give you the real answer. But it's just like the answer that I be saying to people. What you be telling the, them people when they be interviewing? I just be like, oh, I had this huge passion from when I was doing this, when I was doing I that. But it's dream. like partially true. <laughs> it's like partially true, but it's not like the full story. Um, I guess this. So the story is, um. I had a rough senior year, if you know, you know. Um, and so I didn't understand what my next step would be after I graduated because I got my degree in psychology. And if you know, getting a degree in psychology, the bulk of your options are at like the master's or even doctorate level. Right. You're, there's not so much options at just like a bachelor's level. But going back to school just wasn't the fourth, like the thing on my mind because I just had so much going on in my personal yeah. life. Um, and I remember one of my, um, one of my, uh, not like, not guidance counselor, maybe like, my, like, I guess counselor. Like an advisor? And, yeah, that's what it's called. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I had like a regular advisor and then like an advisor through like my department, my right. major department. So in sitting down with them and just talking about like options after, you know, my bachelor's, I know that HR kind of came up, but I kind of like brushed it off. Um, so once I graduated, my cousin, she kind of got me a job working at her company, kind of doing back end office work and operations. Um, perfect. But then it's like, okay, so what's the next step? So I, I, I've always just been like, oh, what's the next step? What's the next goal? Like, you know me, I'm yeah, always having very, things that's that play. very much you, yeah. It's very much me. Like, I'm a hustler. So I'm like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Like, I'm always thinking about, you know, making smart moves, making real moves. So it's just like, okay, so what can I do next? Like, what, like, what is the next move look for me? And so it was just like, all right, maybe I can go into HR. Like, okay, so how do I go into HR? Like, what does that look like? Because I didn't really have no mentor. It was just me kind of figuring it out on my own while, you know, still going through what I was going through. So I was at first applying for like operations roles, but then that wasn't working out. So I was like, okay, let me kind of be a recruiting coordinator, like recruiting right. something. So I'm like, I could kind of finesse my way into the door because I did have a little bit of recruiting experience at Stony Brook. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, let me do this. Let me just, you know, do this and get more money because I was like top of my, like, I need to get more money. I need to do something where like, I can move up. Like I can have a career, like a next step. So that's kind of like how I broke into HR because then from there, I kind of still, I'm strategic, I'm hustling, I'm networking, I'm getting, but I'm also becoming more knowledgeable. I'm also becoming more mature. I'm also playing my cards, right? I'm also, you know, like, I, like with each move that I made, I soaked in all the knowledge of what was around me and then was making some smart ass moves. Right. So, I mean, I can go into each of my, 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 my work history and tell you where I ended up here, but the gist of how I fell into HR is just that, like I fell into HR because I had to just like, 
play the card that I was dealt and use that and make some smart ass moves. And here we are. Oh, you got any advice you would give to anybody getting into HR? Um, or wanting to? I would say that HR is an experience-based field. And so while getting your master's degree in it is nice and having all of that, the accolades are been nice. The important thing about HR is getting that experience. Like however you can get it, and even in small increments, get that experience under your belt and that will move you up quicker than going for your master's or anything like that. All right. I think that's good advice. Get in the field, niggas. (laughs) <laughs> get in the field yeah. and learn like 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 my whole thing is like i will learn from different people in the field and figure out their journey and take in their own advice because it's like if i can make if i can get to where you are in half the time i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do it so i'm gonna like soak in your knowledge soak in your wisdom and you know make some proper adjustments right i, I hear that so let's talk about let's talk about how me you and I met. <laughs> Yo, okay, you don't tell your story because you don't we don't have the same story, so. right at all? Because you know my memory's just better. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. So, so my mama ain't, she ain't let me go nowhere, right? So if I wanted to go anywhere, <laughs> she had to meet the niggas I was hanging out with, all kind of shit, right? I love your mama. Shout out to Evelyn. Yeah, shout out to her. She cool. Um, so. Ray was like, yo, nigga, you trying to hoop? I'm like, yeah, but, you know, you got to come through. I don't, first of all, I don't know where you live, nigga. So, first of all, come come whoop me, and we'll walk back to your crib. You know what I mean? So, came to my crib, met my family, whatever, what have you. And we walking back to uh, um, your house. And we just hooping. We just back there hooping, like, all day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, But then I hear this loud-ass girl talking about, <laughs> man, something, something, something. She's looking for something. He's like, I don't know where that's at, Rihanna, whatever. And then she says, Y'all want something to drink? <laughs> why, why you make me sound like that? Yeah, that's how you sounded in my mind. That's what I heard, you know. Whatever. You want something to drink? So he's like, Yeah. And you came out with the biggest cup of Kool Aid you've ever seen. Most sugary. I did not make you cool. diabetes in a cup Kool Aid ever. I did not make you Kool Aid. Like, and we have to, we have to agree with that. Like, I didn't, I didn't have Kool Aid in my house. Did that day? I did not have. You did. I mean, I had a Jamaican ass mama. She was not bringing no Kool Aid into the house. Probably syrup and water or something. But like, we did not have Kool Aid. -Aid. It it was red and tasted like Kool Aid. I'm telling you, it was syrup and water probably, but it was not Kool Aid. (laughs) Whatever. I my memory doesn't go as far back as yours, but I do know I did not serve you Kool Aid. I remember you always being at the house, and then me, I was I did bother my brother a lot. So like, you know, <laughs> you know, so I should always be around. Um, and I just feel like me and you just clicked. Like I don't remember like the specific moment, whatever, but we just clicked, and then we just started like shit talking to each other. But yeah, it was just always. like you would just verbally abuse me, and then no, I would just. Yeah. You know, that's cap. It's always funny because you make it seem like you don't be doing haymakers too. How the people what you call me? Oh, you skinny. I called you uh, Kevin uh, Garnett. Okay, what else do you call me? I called you Kevin Garnett. Oh, last year ago, Boulevard You got exactly, exactly. You're rude. (laughs) You're rude. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
<laughs> you call me uh, Humpty Dumpty, nigga. <laughs> like, because I had to come back because you wasn't about to be fucking about me. Come on, so, G. Yeah, you had a great fall. See, that's, no. uh, that's, wild. that's wild. I was thinking back. That, that was like almost 20 years ago now. That yeah, crazy? that was a minute ago. That was that was middle school. That was seventh grade. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So when I first met you, I think we were elementary school. But when we started becoming more friends, it was middle school. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That was Twenty years ago. Damn, you really old. You nigga, so are you? Like, <laughs> like a year ago. Really, Stop it. No, you are really old. Uh, but yeah, I think our friendship just progressed. Like we just became closer and closer. And then we just became best friends. Like you want to go for real. You stuck with Absol- me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what's the funny? What do you think is the funniest moment that we've had together? <sighs> um, dude, they're probably not appropriate. They're probably gonna get one of us canceled. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I feel like all of our funny moments probably get one of us canceled because I feel like. Wait, we take some ignorant shit when it's just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I I can't say the funniest moment. I but I feel like we just be so. I feel like we just be funny together. Like I think when I texted you yesterday, like why do I why do I look cross eyed? Like smiley cross eyed. Like <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you like Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I feel like by the way, that's probably like the most appropriate thing that's recent that I can remember because that's like everything. I else. think us going to the Jets game. Was one of the funniest shits. Like that was Why just was a funny, that funny? Ass day. It was just a funny ass day. Like from the parking to like <laughs> that white lady yeah. that was behind us during the game. Gave you co- tell people how they gave you COVID. She gave you COVID. Yeah, you may, I was definitely sick as hell after that. Fucking. But I mean, yeah, that was a funny day because you would have thought it was the Eagles home game. Honestly, you Gee, thought I thought it was, it was not the fight our way out. We. <laughs> we. Yeah, yeah, we. One we. band, one sound. No, ain't no one band, one sound because you was about to let me out to dry. Hey, it was a lot. Of, there's a lot of niggas in there, man. You was like, man, if you get to argument at this game, I can't fight them for you. I can't fight them yeah, exactly. for you. So if you would have got jumped in Eagle territory, I'd have been like, I'll meet you at the car. I don't know. Well, I'm supposed to fight know. the world, nigga? At least try. That's crazy. I think. I think the other, the other side is crazy. You don't let me get jumped by myself. I wasn't gonna let you get jumped. Evan, you literally said if you get if you get to a fight, I'm not jumping in. I'm I would have broken up aggressively. <laughs> no, you yeah. wouldn't. Evan, did you forget that I know you in real life? You'd have been like, oh damn. You would have tweeted about it. You'd have tweeted about it. Aggressively. Um no. all right, so I wanna ask you, um, what is our friendship taught you? Or something you learned from our friendship? Um, this is a good one. What has our friendship taught me? Um, get trust. your jokes up. Get your jokes up. Oh yeah, trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your jokes. <laughs> get your jokes up because you know sparring with you ain't easy. So I feel like I was gonna be on go, but I feel like trust because I feel like we. I mean, me, me and you joke about this all the time. Like you could write a tell-all book about me. You know. It's coming um, one day. <laughs> I wish you would. Yeah, on some Britney Spears shit. Like, yo. I wish the fuck you would. Okay. I will stomp on you. Don't yeah. do that. With my with my big feet. Right. Um, I think trust because I feel and and being and I think that goes with like being there for each other. Cause I feel like from high school till now, I feel like we've gone through so much shit and like we've been one of the first people we've told about these things like you've experienced mm-hmm. them with me and vice versa 
So it really taught me like you can have trust and also that you can have a friendship with the opposite sex and it be healthy and not be toxic and not be like, you know, a hidden agenda. Right. You know, like we're just friends and like I'm comfortable in that, you know? Yeah, man. That's how it should be. Listen to the people online, child. You can't do that. Uh, online niggas is online niggas, you know. Weird people. I'm gonna be but honest. Yeah. I think our friendship has kind of like taught me the, the the importance of like community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having having a tribe. You know, I'm very I'm very much a lone wolf nigga, and I still oh, struggle with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. need. You know, I feel like I don't need a lot of people a lot of time. I kind of just do my own thing. But um, being but your I'm, friends kind of taught nagging. me how important. It is. It's okay to, to lean on people, and you know what I mean. Have trust in people, and have faith in people. So I appreciate I thought, that. Yeah, thank you. I love when you're just so sentimental. It's just like, oh, you really do like me. Because you think it's cat most of the time, which is hilarious. <laughs> because because that's not how we operate. So when it's yeah. like anything else, I'm like, uh, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Damn, Ray, that was that was time flew by. Look at this. <laughs> wow, wow, that's good. That's yeah, good. yeah, you you are a great guest. I I'm appreciate you. Canceled. Right, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, Ray. I really appreciate you. Um, thank you for being my friend and my sister through all these years, man. I love Listen, and appreciate you. I love you too, and I thank you for being my brother. And I thank you for after years of begging, y'all. I've been begging on this podcast for years. And you better leave this index. I want the I wouldn't say know. begging, aggressively asking. <laughs> um, leave this part in there because I want the people to know. Your girl been trying to get on for years. And I finally made it. You know, when you asked me the other day to be on, I was like, oh, my God. My prayers have been answered finally. Now this. Now this. <laughs> Let the people know where they can find you. If you um, want them to. If you don't want the biggest to find you, we get it right now. I mean, my Instagram is private. Um, I guess, yeah, my Instagram is my last name. So R-E-I-D, my lips. So read my lips, underscore. You, you catch that play on words, guys? <laughs> I'm so proud of that. You, you, you were really just... I am, I am. And then my Instagram, my, uh, sorry, my Twitter is the same thing, except that there's an underscore before and after. So it's underscore read my lips, underscore. Um, but yeah, I really be chilling. Yeah. Right, follow her on on Twitter for her hot uh, football takes. <laughs> Facts. And, all right, and just like that, we can get back of here. We appreciate you guys listening. This is another episode of House Call. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.